Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. One, two. I feel like I'm about to rap. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, it's a, it's a real privilege and honor to be here this morning. I just want to uh, just show my appreciation and thank Pastor Brown for uh, this opportunity. Do appreciate ministering here uh, at this year's uh, series of meetings. Ah, yeah. All right. Well, um, I want you please uh, to turn to your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter number three. Luke chapter number three, and we're going to begin our reading from verse number one. And I'm glad to be here, and I still have my 100% conference track record. Some of you don't get that anyway. Luke chapter three, verse number one. And I really do believe I have a word from God for you this morning. And so let's begin our reading in verse number one. The Bible reads this. It says, Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judah, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Uteria, and the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch, of Abilene, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written. The book of the words of Isaiah the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places, hmm shall be made straight and the rough and way smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Father, thank you for this opportunity and I'm asking that you would help me, Lord, to minister your word with confidence in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to begin this sermon by just telling you about Someone who was known as the snowstorm preacher. His name was John Eglin in about the the 1850s on New Year's Day. John Eglin was pretty much, he woke up in Colchester 
to a snowstorm. And as he's there getting ready to go to church, you know, there's a blizzard. It's pretty much the majority of people have have been snowed in. It's Sunday morning. It's New Year's Day. And it's now time to go to church. Well, he puts on his jacket, puts on his boots, begins to make the long march towards church. It's about six miles and he's walking to church. He manages to get to his Methodist church. And he's there and as he's there in his church, he realizes that only about 12 members of the church are there. But one person is missing. Well, the most important person anyway, that's going to deliver the word of God in that morning. And it was the preacher. And so now they begin, you know, all 12 of them are there and they're beginning to contemplate. Should we just call church off? Should we just, you know, just allow it for today? And eventually, you know, one of the people suggests, you know, why don't you preach, John? And John Eglin had never preached a day in his life. He's never been on no board of elders or on any council. He's not had, he's not even been an assistant or a Bible study leader as we know it. He's just a regular Joe and he stands and he says, all right, well, I'm going to have to take the service. He stands up, he preaches. And as he preaches, a young 15 year old boy walks in finds his seat and in fact he's not even looking for church he's actually looking for shelter and he sits in his seat and John Eglin realizes there's a visitor he begins to open his mouth and he begins to preach and as he preaches this young boy gets saved and I want to show you a picture of who this young man or this young boy 15 years old is and if you could show it Charles Spurgeon. Now, for those of you who do not know Charles Spurgeon, you need to read more commentaries. Charles Spurgeon is known as the Prince of Preachers. I mean, his legacy on the Christian faith is paramount and probably some would say unparalleled. John, uh, Charles Spurgeon was the product of John Eglin's preaching. And the point I want to make to you this morning is simply this. It didn't matter the surrounding. Here's a man with no credentials. He's never going to be a conference speaker. He's never going to have his face on a revival flyer. He's never going to lead a large church. And all he was was a voice. He said, this morning, all I can do for this congregation is to be a voice. And that voice is now represented all across Christendom through John Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon's life. And I want to declare to you, conference, or special service lot, that sometimes it's enough to be a voice. Now in Romans chapter number 10 and verse 13, the apostle Paul draws this picture for us and he says this, he says, for whoever calls on the name of the, of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? 
and how shall they hear without a preacher? And listen, it's very simple what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He's basically saying, if there is no voice for God, then there is no choice for God. And if John Neglin did not stand up and declare and be a voice in that snowstorm in January of 1850, Charles Spurgeon would not make a choice for God. Now I know we have all these programs and all these events from basketball tournaments to FIFA nights and uh, to parties in the park or picnics in the park and fun days but I want to encourage you that if you don't have a voice for God people won't make a choice for God so we need voices now in our text it picks up in John sorry in Luke chapter 3 You know, at the very start, before we even get into John the Baptist and his ministry, right up until this point, there had been 400 years of silence. Many Bible commentators believe that Malachi would have been the last voice for God. And for 400 years, there's a missing voice. But I find it interesting how Luke begins this message or or, or this scripture. And what he highlights is he starts off with all these political and social leaders. You know, Tiberius Caesar. From Tiberius to Pilate. From Pilate to Herod. From Herod to Philip. All these represent the different voices of that time. The political voices, the religious voices of Annas and Caiaphas. You know, you had two high priests when there were only meant to be one. And so you've got all these voices that are speaking. Israel is at a time of great confusion, great despair, and there's so much going on. Division is at the heart of the land. And the Bible says that there is a missing voice. Listen to me this morning. That might have happened, you know, 2,000 years ago, but we are living in exactly the same climate today. I mean, there are political voices that that, that say, you know what, we've got to wear a mask. We don't know. We don't don't know if we're going to wear a mask. You've got the Brexit situation. You've got so much angles from the political sphere. And if that's not enough, you've got the social voices. I mean, poor Greta has to stand up and be a voice for climate change. You've got Black Lives Matter. You've got all these voices happening. But I'm here to declare to you, the Bible says, but the word of God came to John. That in the midst of all these voices, he had and he received the voice from God. And it was a living voice. This voice is Rhema. A living voice. Something happened inside of him. God delivered this voice to this preacher. And he stands up and he begins to declare the word of God. Now you know what I love about John the Baptist? Is he typifies our fellowship. Because John the Baptist, just like John Eglin, had no CV, no credentials, 
No Bible college this. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be ignorant and not study. You know, you know, study to show yourself approved. But the point I'm making is there was no credentials, just a man with something living inside of him, a living voice within him, and he stood up in the midst of all these voices and says, I'm going to be a voice for God. And that's what we need in our generation. He was a voice in the wilderness. Now, wildernesses, or wilderness, are dry places. But here you have a man with a unique voice. I like that voice. Ooh, I'm getting into it now. Amen. Now, there was, um, you know, in, I think a few years ago, there was a man by the name of Don LaFontaine. Now, you guys maybe don't know him. And in fact, I'm going to put the picture up, if if you can put it up. His name is Don LaFontaine. Some of you may know him, others of you may not. But you will know his voice. Because Don LaFontaine, he was nicknamed the voice of God. And the reason why they called him the voice of God was because Don LaFontaine had this unique voice and you guys have definitely heard it because he's the guy that speaks he's he's now passed away but he's the guy that has the very unique movie announcer voice one man one desire in the city of Gotham Batman lies that's the guy Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's the guy. Don LaFontaine. And they said every, every uh, movie wanted his voice to be the one that advertised. Because they said when he speaks, people come and listen. People come and watch. People are intrigued. And so he was called the voice of God because he had something unique. But I'm here to declare to you that it's more than just the method you possess. The thing that makes you and I unique in this generation is the message we profess. Can you say amen? And that's what John the Baptist was. He was this unique voice in his generation. Now look at the way the Bible speaks of Jesus. And I find this very, very intriguing. You know, in John chapter 7 and verse 46, the Bible says that Jesus is pretty much teaching and preaching. And as he's preaching the word of God and as he's there and he's preaching, he's teaching his people, Jesus is doing what he does best The Pharisees have ordered uh, some of their officers to go and arrest him. And so they don't want to interrupt the meeting. It's kind of like, you know, you you had the officers here the other day. And, and you know, they they don't want to interrupt the meeting. But they're waiting for an opportunity to arrest Jesus. And in John chapter 7, verse 45 to 46, we see Jesus is preaching. These officers come in, getting ready to arrest him. But something happens and instead they are arrested. Because they're listening to this man preach. They're hearing him. They're there to do a job. But something about Jesus' voice, something about his preaching captivates them. And the Bible says that they say, never has a man spoken like this. 
In other words, we've heard so many voices. We've heard the synagogue teachers. We've heard the temple teachers. We've heard all these preachers, but there's never a man that spoke like this man. And I don't believe that's because Jesus had eloquence patterned. I don't believe that's because Jesus, you know, necessarily, I believe it's because he spoke with authority and he says, I've come as a voice from God. One of the, the things Pastor Mitchell said, to us men a few years ago we were working on sermons upstairs and he said to us and and it really left an impression on me he said if you preach the word of God you have the most unique voice in this generation and I didn't quite get it until I started working on this sermon that you will have the most unique voice in this generation and he said people will beat a path to your door In other words, like, let me in, let me in, I want to come in. I want in on this. I want my life to change. He says, you just preach the word of God and people will beat a path to your door. You know, we look for many ways to be unique. But let me tell you something. When you stand and declare the word of God, you will be unique. Now look at our text again. Because in verse 4 to 5... The Bible says that John is a voice in the wilderness. A voice. And it explains and typifies his ministry in the following ways. It says, every valley shall be filled. And every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight And the rough ways shall be made smooth. In other words, uh, this voice is able to make uh, rough ways, you know, those rough and ready people, is able to smooth them out. This word, no matter how much crooked or or just how crooked and perverse uh, this generation is, uh, it's able to make those crooked paths uh, straight again. Can you say amen? And this voice is so important because it's a voice that prepares people for the king. This is what it is. It's making inroads that, your, that people's hearts can be prepared to meet the king. And I want to declare to you that Jesus, as Pastor Chisel mentioned, he wants to come in. He wants to come into people's lives. Jesus wants to change people's lives. This ain't some special elect business where there's just the chosen few. He wants to get in. But let me say to you, if we won't be the voices for God, they won't make the choices for God. Be a voice. Now, I want you to go to Acts chapter 8. And as I was working on this message, I, I literally stumbled across this text. I wasn't even looking for it. But God laid it upon my heart and he said to me, you know what? We can draw some lessons from Philip. Philip the evangelist. Acts chapter 8, verse number 26. It's a very, very, very simple scripture. The Bible says this. It says, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying... Rise and go down to the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This 
is desert. So Philip arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship. Philip, stop right there just for a moment. Philip is in the midst of revival in Samaria. I mean, he's got it happening. He's preaching. People are being saved. People are being healed. But then an angel comes to Philip and tells him, I want you to go down to this road, Gaza. Not the Jamaican Gaza. I know they love to call it Gaza. Some of you are already thinking Jamaican vibes cartel and all them guys. Relax. We're in a special service. He says, go down to Gaza because there is a man there of great authority that I want you to be a voice to. Now, here you got to catch this. Here's this guy. He's, he's on a chariot on his way to Jerusalem to worship, reading from Isaiah. So you can tell something's already happening to him. And we don't have the time to read it, but the Bible says that as he's there, you know, Philip jumps on the chariot and he begins to be a voice for him. He's reading the Logos, but he needs a rhema. Oh, you guys ain't catching it today. He's reading the word and man still doesn't understand. He's there, Isaiah, he's reading it but something is not registering Philip jumps in the chariot and look at verse number 35 the Bible says then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him hey Beginning at the scripture man was reading, Philip said, hey, listen, I'm going to preach you some Jesus. You might not get everything that's on this. You may not understand the logos. You may not understand everything that's happening around you. You may not understand this pandemic. You may not understand this political regime. You may not understand the racial divisions, but I've got some news for you. And that news is Jesus Christ can save you. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ that can transform you glory to God thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH sermon podcast where we post sermons on Mondays Wednesdays Fridays and Sundays we also have a premium version of this podcast which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week so why would you want to subscribe I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, 
Our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Now here's the lessons. Number one, Bible says he went down a road. Oh, you can be a preacher. Let me make this statement. Every preacher has a road. Now, I know we want to be voices everywhere. Especially in this online generation. We want to be the voice to the world. And yet, you know what? So we should be. Let me tell you, there are certain lanes marked for you. He says, go down the road, that road unto Gaza, I want you to go down. Because a a preacher should have parameters. You know, don't dismiss uh, your town, don't dismiss your city, don't dismiss your nation. Hey, listen, I want to be a voice to the world. Hey, listen, go down the road that leads to Gaza. Because your ministry should be in parameters. There is a sphere, there is a lane for you, my brother. My fellow pastor, there is a lane for you, aspiring pastor. There is a lane because there is a place. Just like John the Baptist, he wasn't preaching all across Israel, the region of Judea. That was his lane, that was his sphere, that was his parameter. Can you say amen? The preacher has a place. The Bible says, Philip, go to the desert. And I find that so interesting because God, even in the midst of these desert dry places, he still wants a voice. I mean, we just say, oh, it's not worth it. This is rubbish. The people here, it's dry, it's dead. But God says, I still need a voice there. I know you're in revival here in your mother church and, you know, you can get your rap on. You can get your drama on. Come on, you can get things together. You can organize. You seem like the man or the woman. And, you know, but but he says, listen, there are deserts. There's a wilderness that I need a voice in. You know, I think of Pastor Mo. You know, when, 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 Pastor Mo got announced to Hull. I have to make a confession, brother. <laughs> I had just read maybe a few months ago that Hull was, vo- was voted one of the worst places to live in the UK. Now, I know we've got a few of our brothers there from, from Hull, but, you know, but, but th- th- this, that's what I thought. And I just thought, what's this brother doing going to the desert? But you know what Mo did? Hey, Liz, got Liz, got the kids. We're going to go to the desert and I'm going to lift up my voice and I'm going to be a voice in the wildernesses of England and I'm going to declare the truth. And today, look what we see. 
voice. Pastor Colin, Colin mentioned that in Genesis, in this deep, dark void, isn't that what he said yesterday? In this deep, dark void, here you have God, the Spirit of God hovering, emptiness. There's nothing there. Nothing's going on. You don't have McDonald's and KFC and a Holiday Inn. Nothing's happening. It's dead and it's dry. And the Bible records that he's just hovering over it. And you know what? God could have just said enough with this. It makes something new. But the Bible says in Genesis 1 verse 3, God said that in the very beginning, as Pastor Brown mentioned, was the word. That God spoke into emptiness. God spoke into the wildernesses of life. And I want to declare to you that you and I, no matter the cities that we go to in England or the nations in the world, we can be a voice for God. The third thing I want to look is the preacher and the people. Because come on, if we're real, you know, we do that outreach maneuver, you know, where we see... You know, we see a bad man, you know, he's walking and we feel like that's the one to reach. Or we see a prim and proper person and we think, yeah, that's my one. That's my person. But notice the Bible says that Philip was sent to an Ethiopian. Israel man to an African. Man probably spoke with the stiffest accent. What is your name? What are you doing in my chariot? Explain to me. Right? Yet Philip went. Because there's people. Not like us. He wasn't of great. I don't think, you know, Philip was a treasurer. But there he is speaking to a man of great authority. Now, I know we love the working class, and I understand, I get it. You know, we reach those who are low, and we... But listen, when I first went to Gravesend, you know what Pastor Brown said to me? That I mean, you probably don't remember it. But he said, Eric, you can reach middle-class people. You can reach people who have, seem to have it together. You know, it's one thing, you know, the road guy, or, you know, the bad B. That's what they're saying today, you know, the bad B, the girl, you know... Listen, you, you can reach those people, it's good, but how about those with great authority? How about those who, you know, high class jobs, you know, business owners, you can reach them too. That's who Philip was sent to, this treasurer. And the Bible says that all he did was he opened his mouth and preached Jesus. Can you say amen? And I see the same with John. Listen, the Bible says aristocrats are drew in to hear this man speak not because of the method but because of the message so all you got to do is open your mouth and open it no, I'm joking. open your mouth God will fill it and people will hear a voice now as much as we love to open our mouths and we are a fellowship of preachers I'm here to say to you that we've got to contend for more than what's in our mouths. You know, in Isaiah chapter 61 and verse number 1, 
Isaiah prophesies and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Listen, Isaiah says, you know, this is what Jesus said when he began his ministry. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because you know, it's going to be a lot more than what's in my mouth. It's going to be a lot more than what I, what I simply declare. I need an anointing. I need something to come upon me that I can begin to be a voice for God. Something that can set captive people free. Something that can deliver people from the bonds and the chains of wickedness. I'm going to need something way beyond than what I can say. I was speaking to a, a brother was having a conversation with one of his pastor friends and they're all having this conversation and they're beginning to speak about preaching but not pulpit preaching but street preaching and you know he's speaking to this guy and and you know they're, they're kind of bouncing off ideas and he leaves at the end with the impression that you know what street preaching might not be all that it is they're just talking, it's not, it doesn't really work. Uh, it's good, but it's not, you know, I don't really feel that it's working. And, and, and I'm here, you know, these are, these are fellow pastors talking. These are fellow pastors talking. And about preaching, and, and, and he leaves with this impression. He says, well, okay. Goes back to his town. He stands on a street corner. He begins to preach. And as he's preaching, he's preaching. Uh, and then he confessed to me. He said, he said, listen, I preach in my city. But I've lost all confidence in its power. He says, I'm just doing it because this is what we do. But I've lost the confidence in its power. I mean, he still got up Saturday. Thus says God, city of X. He still did the same thing he done week in, week out. But he said for this specific period of time, he said, I no longer had the power that this can really change lives. It's just what we do. And I'm here to say that you and I sitting in this place, you know, these are fellow pastors. It's very easy for us to fall into that trap. We can do it and we can preach and we can declare, but we can very easily lose the confidence and the power in preaching. Let me tell, let me tell you something. Preaching has power. I don't care what century, couldn't care what accent, couldn't care if the guy's short, tall, fat, slim, couldn't care whether he wears glasses or not. Listen, preaching has power. Preaching delivers because just like the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse 4, he says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That it 
it's not just, uh, you know, I'm just opening my mouth and speaking eloquently. That I'm just lifting up my voice. He says, no, no, no. Through my preaching, there is a demonstration of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is upon me. And as that is demonstrated, there is a power that's attached to, to preaching. Because our voice alone isn't going to carry this great message that we have. I know we like to think it is. That it's just going to be our voice alone that's going to woo the nations or save the nations. That we think is just going to be our voice. It's going to take a lot more. I want you to show this picture. Some of you might know this. It's uh, G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe is actually, some of you are like, some of you are getting phobias already. I know some of you don't like pigeons. Relax, man. Relax. We're going to get through it. I know some of you think they're vermin and good for nothing, but you're not going to change your mind this morning. Listen, G.I. Joe was a, a carrier bird in World War II. Now, the British... Soldiers were there in a village in Italy, and they are fighting against the Germans. And as they're warring against the Germans, the Germans are getting a bit of an advantage. And so they call to their infantry and say, you guys, we're losing this battle. You must prepare an airstrike just to weaken the the, the German stronghold. And so they're trying to communicate. So so you you got to picture it. You got to picture it. They're there. And they're communicating and they're saying, listen, we're losing this war. The Germans are going to... Connection's gone. Can you, can you hear me? Copy that. You need to send in some bombs and some areas. Copy that. They're trying to get the message across. And, and, then, and so, and so they, they, they managed to send the message. They're sending over planes now. But now the tide of the battle has changed. The British are now winning. And so you've got planes that are getting ready on a runway to fly, to bomb this village, to weaken German strongholds. But in fact, it's their own British soldiers. So guess what they do? They go to a cage. They write the message, we're winning. It's good news. Oh, hallelujah, we're winning the war. Listen, listen, you don't you call off those strikes. Listen, we don't need our brothers to die. Listen, listen, and they wrap this message and, and they put it right in the foot of this pigeon and, and, and then they send this pigeon away. And as this pigeon is flying, it flies 20 miles in 20 minutes. And it's there, G.I. Joe, doing what G.I. Joe does best. And it's flying and it gets to the, to, to the London infantry just in time that as the planes are on the runway five minutes before departure airstrikes are called off now here's the point i want to make to you they wanted to deliver the good news they wanted people hey listen you need to realize that we've won the war we are winning but something their voice was just not enough to get the message across and so they sent this bird and it accomplished something far more than what their voice could have done you see this is the picture of the anointing yes we speak but sometimes come on you guys know it you stutter 
Come on, sometimes you lose your breath. Sometimes you get a mind block or a preacher's block. Sometimes your accent might get in the way. Or maybe you don't really have the words to say. But I'm here to declare to you that if you contend for the supernatural anointing of God, the message that you and I preach, the voice that we become can be and get to its destination. Listen to me. Your voice may carry it to their ears. But God's spirit is what carries it to their hearts. So you've got to contend for the supernatural. Now in Matthew chapter 24, which is pretty much the theme of our conference, it says in the end, this kingdom will be preached as a witness to all the world, and then the end will come. Preaching is going to be prominent in the last days. Now, if you read this chapter, listen, if you read this chapter, you're going to say, yeah, but what about the wars and rumors of war? That's what we focus on, right? The wars, the earthquakes, the pestilences, the famines. But right at the end, Jesus just gives us a bit of hope. And he says, don't think that it's just going to be these things that are going to take prominent in the last day. The preaching will. The preaching and the preacher will. And so some of you are going to take center stage on this stage because God wants preachers to be center stage out there. I want to wrap up and finish with this last scripture. Isaiah chapter 61. Sorry, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. Now all these prophecies that I've spoken about have come from Isaiah. And Isaiah made a very, at the very start of his ministry, his prophetic ministry, Isaiah records for us in Isaiah chapter 1, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. Not it was Isaiah that prophesied about the voice in the wilderness. It was Isaiah that prophesied about the spirit of the Lord being upon me. This is all Isaiah. But he said his prophetic ministry started right here. King Uzziah was one of the most successful kings in Israel. And this man, for 52 years, I believe it is, he reigned supremely. And then something tragic happened and he got struck with leprosy. It was a shock to the nation. It was one of those years that you would never forget. And Isaiah says, when King Uzziah died, the madness that was happening around, guess who I saw? I saw the Lord. Then he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying to me, who shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Now, some of you are like King Uzziah. Let me bring it here. Live and direct, 2020, 7th of October. In the year that Chadwick Boseman died. Successful, wasn't he? Shocked to everyone's system. Don't like that one? In the year that Kobe Bryant died. 
in the year that COVID came and dead everyone off. In the year that George Floyd died. Oh, come on, somebody. Or in the year that Pastor Wayman Mitchell died. What do you see? What do you see? Isaiah heard God's voice, felt a need, and responded. See, it's not enough to sit here this morning to feel a need, but not feel it. Oh my goodness. Some of you, I feel the need, I feel the need, but you won't feel it. I want to challenge you, young couples, all of you up there, you're not missing. Don't just feel the need. Isaiah felt it, but he said, here I am. Send me. God bless you. Pastor Mo. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.